We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. And welcome to the Moose and Roots Podcast. This episode 167 of the pod alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso. Got some topics to get here today. We're going to wrap up a little Crosstown Classic. That was uh, fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was very fun. Uh, they don't they don't have a name for it anymore, right? There's no... It's, I know. It's not... Now, or, it, Wintrust sponsors it. So it's, it's a Crosstown Gross. series, I think. Gross. But it's the same thing. It's, they don't have the uh-huh. BP Cup anymore, which that's is really what, that's about all I care was, about. That was really... That wild. was ridiculously dumb. That was the heyday of it. The BP Cup when it was a four-game set. You when they, just got to love that. It, just, it was always awkward, like, the players leaving to go to the clubhouse, then being told they have to come out and take a picture with this Grab cup. this it's trophy. Like, it's like, okay, sure. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll talk a little Crosstown Cup. We'll talk some NBA action. Send you on your way here. Probably going to be a bit of an abridged pod. We are in um, – limbo right now as we wait for the nfl season to start wait to see what college football is going to look like plus uh, you got some to- travel plans i imagine you got to get packing soon yeah yeah i'm just uh i'm i'm this is this is day one of a week-long vacation yeah and I'm spending it talking to you man hey so you just- know i've spent vacation talking to you too buddy yeah okay but uh just know that's know that's what you mean to me know that's what this podcast means to me but uh to us um, no to me to me this is a me thing Okay. okay. This is the you thing, which is just big, you. Okay. Big, big, big me over little team. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, but no, let's jump in here to Crosstown. Obviously, the headline, the marquee is Jose Abreu and just uh, incendiary week at the plate. I've never seen anything like that. Absolutely on fire. Uh, I believe it was home runs in four consecutive at bats, home runs in six of nine at bats, uh, and part of a greater picture where the White Sox homered 27 times in the week. Um, I mean, speak to what Jose Abreu did and just what the White Sox are doing at the plate right now. You know, Jose Abreu is, for someone who's been watching the Sox, you know, working their games for however many the last few years, seeing just about every one of them. He's always been, you know, had he's had these hot streaks where he's been really good. Never quite this good, though, because he hasn't yeah. always had the protection around him. He, I mean, he was doing this hitting in Hit going in these hot streaks with like Yonder Alonso hitting four behind him and not quite in you know a very good Yohan Moncada yet or a professional hitter like Yasmani Grandal. Now he actually has protection around him, and you're seeing what happens when pitchers actually have to pitch to him. And I've been saying it for a while. I think I've said it on this podcast. He isn't the best player in Chicago, but when he is uh, when he's on, there is not a better hitter in this city than than Jose Abreu, and I think we saw that fully on display now that he's in one of those streaks. And he finally has that protection around him where pitchers can't really afford to pitch around him. They have to give him something to hit for the most part. Yeah, and he made the Cubs pay dearly. There's real firepower around him. And even in the loss, he homers and offers the White Sox their lone run in that game. Um, this isn't new. I mean, obviously, the success in that way in terms of home runs is something like we haven't seen out of him before. But... Led the league in doubles last year. Is I think he led the AL in RBIs, too, or was he first or second? Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was up there. Um, is he the leader of this ball club? Because the, not to go bad here, because I've, I've enjoyed watching the Sox this year, and we, we've had the conversation before about their focus and you know just their mental resolve right now. Uh, you got guys, um, you got guys with 
you know, just looking unprepared like mm-hmm. 20 minutes before the ball game. Hats on backwards, joking around like, yeah, have fun. It's a weird scenario. But um, is he the one who sets the tone for this White Sox team, do you believe? Yeah, I do. I think he's been somewhat of a – I know he's been somewhat of a mentor for a lot of the, you know, younger Latin, especially the Cuban players that have you know, come up, come over from Cuba. I know he's kind of – Yohan Moncada said he's been like an, an older brother, father type. I'm, I'm not sure he's always the uh, – the one that's going to be super hard on them, but in the terms of kind of being a lead by example type of guy, he's absolutely been that. Um, it's harder for us to see also because he's also speaking through an interpreter to the media. Um, yeah. he, he does speak a little bit of English, but he's not, I guess, doesn't feel, it's at the, not at the level where he feels comfortable speaking to the media in, in English, so that's fine. Um, I think Dallas Keuchel's kind of, I think what we saw um, after his start like two starts ago where he he started in uh, Detroit they lost like three to one and it was one of those lifeless performances that, yeah season. they were they were taking terrible at bats he kind of just pretty much put the team on blast and right around there is where you saw a change in the lineup you, you saw a change in at bats you saw a change in how they were approaching games and and you see where they are now and I think they mm-hmm. finally have a little bit they've always had the lead by example guy in Abreu and now they have a little bit of a vocal leader too now in Dallas Keuchel um and I, I thought we saw a completely different approach uh, against the Cubs and kind of against the a little bit a little bit against the Tigers, but it's hard to call that. The Tigers are so bad that like it's kind of hard. Like, they hit the ball fantastic against the Tigers, but it's almost like you should be. They're doing what they should against a bad team. It was finally yeah. nice to see them do this against a good team, against a rival, against actually a challenge. And I think that's something. This team sort of thrives on, especially I think you saw Eloy had a pretty good series. Dylan Cease went out and pitched really well. Uh, the guys kind of looking to get revenge on their old club. And then the guys who have been here for a while, like Abreu, who are kind of probably sick of playing second fiddle in the city. Yeah, it's... Um, this team it's plays really, well when motivated. It's really good to see them rise to an occasion because this is quite the occasionless season. Now, I, I know that these guys understand that it's a shortened season. Everything's worth 2.7 and it is really mm-hmm. heightened in terms of intensity on every given day. But that doesn't mean when you're flying from city to city, quarantining, not really going out, not doing anything, just playing ball and, and getting back to the hotel, eating a meal and going to bed and then playing ball again. It's mm-hmm. monotony and you could see a young group falling into a, a bit of a malaise, you know, uh, that they could just kind of be blinded and become zombies at times and for them to you know snap out of it in a way and rise to an occasion against the cubs was good to see because there are going to be occasions coming up here i mean we're halfway through the season they're tied for second in the division there's going to be a lot of movement um and as we've pointed to that final series with the cubs is going to determine something between the cubs and the Sox. but matt um the bigger question here uh six days removed from or six days away from the trade deadline. Do you think that the White Sox will be players in any way to uh, bolster their lineup? I mean, an arm, the lineup. Do you think that there is a plan right now to make a move before the deadline on the 31st? You know, I think in a normal year, yes. I think in just such a shortened season, I'm not sure you're going to see a whole bunch of movement from anybody. Yeah, um, I agree. I don't, I don't know how much um, I don't know what the market is going to look like because no one wants to make a reactionary move one way or the other. I, I think it, exactly. I think it's been such a weird year. I think you saw Dylan Cease is after the slow start has been getting a lot better. The Sox have been getting a lot better pitching lately. 
I think you're probably, unless you can come across, I, I don't know the kind of available pitchers right now. I haven't really taken a look at who's looking to sell and who's on one-year deals and all that. Unless you can come across a rental for, you know, really next to nothing. Um, the Sox don't have a ton of like high level prospects to be shipping out other than the guys they just drafted. And I know they like those two guys a lot. Um, So I I think they're kind of rolling with what they got for the most part here. The bullpen's been great. The the lineup's been great. And they're going to get Nick Madrigal back. And that's a little bit like a a deadline acquisition itself. You're going to get Carlos Rodon back and whether he that's as a starter, whether that's as a, you know, swing man out of the bullpen, that's, that's still an arm that's going to be helpful to you provided you can stay healthy. So I I think they're going to kind of roll the dice with what they got and, and use those as those deadline acquisitions. And then, I think you'll see them try and be major players again in free agency. Well, that that's kind of my point here is maybe you can entertain a trade right now, someone who's got, you know, 30 games and a year left on a contract, an arm or something, because mm-hmm. when you do make it to free agency this offseason, there's not a ton there relative to years in the past. I think the marquee arm right now. Go get me Mark. Go get me Marcus Stroman and go get me George Springer. That's my free okay. agent wish list. That's my. I've thought about this. I had a lot of time at work to do nothing. I didn't say nothing. I do a lot of work. Um, I never sit around with nothing <laughs> to do. Um, to, I, I want. I, I think Marcus Stroman is a personality. Is a is a guy. A type of player that fits in perfectly kind of fit with in this group. Yeah. I think he's one of those guys that we've talked about. I think the Sox don't have a lot of guys that are. You know, Guys you hate playing against, guys you don't really like going like that are real competitors on the field that the other team hates to play against. I think yeah. Marcus Stroman's one of those. I think Marcus Stroman's gonna get paid, but I don't think it's gonna be anything that's ridiculously like, oh wow, he got that much. Um, and the Sox are still one kind of one real big good arm, I think, in that rotation away. I think he's a perfect fit. And George Springer is a free agent. He's a little bit older. The Astros have a great farm system coming up he plays great defense that you can put him out in right field that masks Eloy again and left if you have a great center great right fielder and probably wouldn't be shocked if he after this year if Houston kind of keeps middling um just says I want out uh, I yeah. just want a new fresh start and I think right here where his you know his, his buddy his former teammate Dallas Keuchel is and can be like hey we're pretty good here this is fun um, he'd be much better out in right field than Omar Mazzara has a winning pedigree. That's my big wish list. I don't think either of those are going to break the bank while you'll still have to fork over money for them. Those are my two moves in free agency. Um, I like the Stroh move because I've always been a fan back to the Toronto days. Um, he, he is the source of some ire here in the greater New York area just in terms of his availability with the Mets. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's ever been his production. Uh, I think that Mets fans live in a bit of delusion as is. Um I just don't know if they set the market on him, if they throw a bag at him. I, I don't know what his market will be this offseason. Um, he's 29 going on 30, still on the right side of 30 and kind of plays a young ball game, but mm-hmm. uh, has had nagging injuries here and there. So w- that'll be an interesting one. Springer obviously adds to any lineup he he would be, you know, fit into. And then you got a guy like Trevor Bauer who, to me, has always, you know, the – the name and the uh, off-field stuff from Trevor Bauer, just mm-hmm. like the bad scientist stuff, to me has always outperformed the guy on the field. But that has not been the case this year. Uh, he got dinged up a night ago, but prior to that was 4-0, and had given up 10 hits over the four starts cumulative, had the low ERA in the league with a .68. So 
he's feeling himself right now too. A, a guy that is likely going to kind of be the headliner of this uh, of this free agency class from a pitching standpoint. I think. Yeah, uh, that that would be another name I'd be absolutely interested in. Um, I know he has this the weird thing where he said he's only signing one year contracts for his career. I don't know if that sticks or if somebody yeah, comes and offers you two hundred million dollars, you say thing. okay, sure. Yeah, this whole pandemic thing, I think he might rethink that bad boy. Um, but how about uh, we're we're uh, we cover both sides of town here from a Cubs perspective. Obviously, those first two games didn't go as planned, but how big was that that Darvish start for them? You think to yeah, not, they, not that they needed like. There's still three games up in the division. Maybe I, I'm not sure if it's three and a half now after last night when they won, but like they just they were kind of middling. They weren't looking very good, and it wasn't more I about the really, division; it was more about the playoffs. Darvish, Darvish shoved against the Sox. He looked fantastic. Well, that's the thing is that he was spinning it, and I don't know why it caught me off guard because you look at the numbers, and that's kind of what he's been doing all season. Mm-hmm. Like he's been really, really solid, and. He's going to be a guy who come postseason time they lean on to continue to be that way. Um, I was super impressed by him. Again, the Cubs just have this um, this bit about them right now that I don't know if they're kind of in a holding pattern waiting for this thing to get real come playoff time. Mm-hmm. They still have all the talent in the world, and it was on display there in Game 3. I don't know if it's a matter of some questionable managing and i think that in year one you're gonna get that mm-hmm. there's been some there's been some steel situations that haven't really made sense yeah wilson Contreras, i think it was right in the yeah they had, when they had runners on first and third or when rizzo got thrown out at home and then Contreras got caught stealing the night like why, why are you stealing him i, made no I mean sense. lie detector test truth serum i'd love to know what these guys think of david ross as a manager right now i guess that'd be my biggest question heading on the playoffs to the cubs because the talent's there i mean you, you hear guys like anthony rizzo speaking in finite terms about their awareness that this could be the last year of this core being together. Parts could be moved. He even said, you know, I might not be here next year. It's not my decision. We have to play each and every ball game this year as if this is the last run. And um, that awareness and that urgency is going to pay off, but it's just bringing that urgency to the ball club, or ballpark every day. I He's the guy, Anthony Rizzo, and maybe it is something that's, like you said, being in a little bit of a holding pattern until the playoffs roll around. He's a guy that I don't, he he's playing. It seems like with not much of a sense of urgency. With not, I, I know he's had slow starts to the year, to seasons again, yeah. but they're obviously going to be magnified now that it's a sixty game season instead of one sixty two. I mean, he, he's OPSing at seven sixty one. He's only got five homers. He's in two like just over two hundred. I don't. He's got five homers, and I think three were in the first. Week yeah, like he he season. started out real hot. I, yeah. I remember that. Uh, and Javi Baez might be turning a corner. He had a huge game last night after the, the big double against the Sox on Sunday. But he's a guy who's I think might have just gotten over two hundred last night. I it, it it doesn't. It seems like the two guys that wouldn't be you know just playoff guys that, that are guys who you know thrive on playing every day and all that stuff and being sure. his best players, Baez and Rizzo would be doing just that, but they, they seem to be taking big steps back, back this year, and a lot of times when that happens, the team sort of tends to follow. Um, but if those guys are going to do anything, or if the Cubs are going to do anything, those guys have to go back to being Rizzo and Baez. For sure. Um, it, it's going to be... It is just really, really... Uh, it's a refreshing time in baseball in Chicago, and I just so dearly wish that these stadiums could be full to accompany what these two ball clubs are doing 
and mm-hmm. kind of give them that push towards the playoffs. Unfortunately, that is not the case. Um, they will do this in the absence of fans, and it, it's good to hear that you know some of these numbers and cases in in the major leagues have tempered. Guys are starting to take it seriously. Um, I, I just it's it's still missing something for me, and hopefully, come playoff time, the same intensity will be there. I know it won't. I think baseball is really a game that's reliant on the fans to indicate the intensity. We're watching NBA. We're watching these guys get after it. And I know it probably feels different to them, but they're still bringing it at a crazy level. Um, Not to say that the performance in Major League Baseball isn't to that level, but it it, it requires a little something extra. The beats of baseball are different right now, where I don't think the beats of NBA basketball are that affected by fans. So I, I don't know. I'm just kind of going off on a tangent here on what it's been like to just be a baseball fan uh, this year in Chicago and beyond, and it's been great to watch them. And hopefully, you know, we're not too far off from having fans back in the stands. I think it's out of the question this year, but um, hopefully by next. Hopefully season, by opening season. day and next season, yeah, yeah opening we day have a next season, we got two Chicago ball clubs who made deep pushes into the playoffs, and there's a lot of excitement and joy surrounding this city in baseball. Yeah, uh, I think what we saw from this last weekend, there, there's definitely a pretty good chance of that. Uh, let's turn our attention to the NBA now. I, I, Matt, I know that I'm kind of the NBA guy on the podcast. I still pay attention here. I, I know you pay Come attention, and, and it is, you know, it's pop culture. It's it's on your timeline. It's unavoidable right now what's happening in the bubble because night after night, somebody is doing something historic. Luka Doncic continues to just yeah, that was unreal. blow the doors off the thing in year two. LeBron James in year 17 has put together back-to-back 30-point performances. Last night, a double-double. The one prior, a triple-double. Giannis has done great things to bring his team back from looking like they were sleepwalking early on in the bubble. Uh, you got Dallas taking the Clippers to what it looks like is going to be the brink. A great series between Harden, Paul, the Rockets, and OKC. I mean, out east there have been the sweeps. You have Miami sweeping. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have the Bucks up three to one. You have uh, what were the other sweeps? You have the Celtics sweeping. The Celtics up Philly. I got a question about that later, but we'll get to that once we done, we're done. No, yeah, I'm just kind of giving you a, a No, but I, I wanted to remind myself that I have a question to ask Thank you. Thank you, yeah, mental note, yeah. mental note. But uh, go ahead, uh, fire away, because I, I have no starting point here. I do have a question to pose to you, but if you want to go uh, Celtics <laughs> Sixers specific here, Brett Brown was fired a day ago. Yeah, that's um, where I wanted to get, because obviously we've heard so many years with the 76ers trust the process. Um, uh-huh. they, they, they had the whole, what was it, 47 and 199 thing they they, they tanked and tanked and tanked forever. Got Embiid, got Simmons, got some good players, obviously put themselves in a position to make a run in the playoffs. Never really did. I'm going to ask you, buy or sell? Buy or, don't buy or sell. Uh, buy, or sell buy or sell the process worked? Um, Was the process a success or a failure? To be determined because as long as this core is on the team, See, I think someone's getting moved this year. That's why. I mean, I guess this well, I, is put off till one of them is. But I think, I one think of they're going to try. I think they're going to try, but I don't think anyone's going to bite. Uh, there, so many of those contracts are not movable. Tobias Harris is unmovable. Al Horford is one of the worst. Yeah, that I didn't get NBA that signing right. at all whatsoever. Joel Embiid has a stink around him in the NBA that you don't know who's coming to the arena on a night-to-night basis. You don't know if it's going to be the guy who's unstoppable to almost a Shaq-like extent. Yeah, I said it. No, or, he when he's on, he is. Or it's going to be a guy 
who's you know a fall away from falling into tears and completely disinterested. Like it's it, it's just not worth thirty million dollars of your cap space to not know the asset you're bringing in. Um, and Ben Simmons is untradeable because that is the the face of your franchise and who you need to build around. Whether you're restarting or reloading, Ben Simmons needs to be on the 76ers. He's generational. Or He's the that, Bulls. I, I think, I think that much of Ben Simmons. I would. I mean, there's nothing. There are few guys I would love more in a Bulls uniform than Ben Simmons. Who would it but take? I just, but I just don't see it happening. Um, I, I don't. I don't think the Bulls have the pieces. I think it might take. I think it might take the fourth overall pick. They marking in. Like you think they'd want? Why you think? Would you trade him Zach in the fourth? And more, probably need I mean, another I piece think, in there. I think Zach's got a, a similar stink around him. I don't think Zach. Yeah, but the uh, the Sixers they, then they keep him beat. They get Zach, and they love. They, they, uh, I think that there's a large belief around the NBA right now that if Zach Levine is your piece, if he's if he's a one, you're not winning anything. Um, I don't know that I share that sentiment, but um, to go back to the 76ers here, I think that the process continues. I think that these guys, as long as Joel Embiid. And Ben Simmons are on the team. Like mm-hmm. what you got for your tanking efforts, I think you're still in, in the process, quote unquote. Now, Brett Brown was the face of the process and really started this whole thing off and ate crow for a long time. And at the end of this thing, he's the scapegoat because he didn't sign any of these bad contracts. He didn't add Al Horford and let Jimmy Butler walk when they. Yeah, I just sense. just made he, no that's sense. That's Elton Brand. That's the front office, and this is a, a, another situation of I, have a, I work with a lot of Philly people at work, and as much as we like to be hard on Philly and Philly fans, there's a lot of Chicago DNA in there, and they're going through a lot of things that Chicago fans have gone through in terms of management with their teams, and they are completely aware that this is a scapegoat situation, that this is a band-aid. Now, yes, maybe Brett Brown is not the type of guy or the personality to wrangle a group of talented individuals that the Philadelphia 76ers had on their team this year, but who is? Who's going to get Joel Embiid to come to the arena every night? Who's going to get Ben Simmons to continue to work hard on his jump shot? Who's going to teach somebody how to shoot a jumper? Because mm-hmm. you get rid of Jimmy Butler and you're leaning on guys like Furkan Korkmaz and uh, that's Matisse a hell of Thibault a name and Matisse Thybulle and for Two as much as those those much as those guys emerged, they're just not marquee shooters in the NBA. And if you've got a point guard who's predominantly drive and kick, he's got to be able to kick it to someone. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have you kind of have largely clashing playing styles. You have a guy in Ben Simmons who needs to uh, you know, set the offense. You have a guy in, in Joel Embiid who needs to be in the low post. And then you have guys like Al Horford and um, Tobias Harris who like to play from the high block. It's just a crowded lane. It's just there's too many bodies in the paint and not an offensive plan where they're going to be able to score with some of these teams in the NBA. I, I don't know where they go from here. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know that there's someone to bring in to wave the magic wand and make them great, but it's perfectly illustrated by their home road splits this year. They're just not a team that's mentally, mentally in, yeah. away from their building. And it reared its head and they got swept off the floor by a really good Celtics team. Yeah, that's got to hurt too, seeing Jason Tatum be the guy that have such an awesome series and knowing how many picks you traded to get Markel Fultz when you could have just settled with Jason Tatum. But to be fair, that's, you know, the Fultz, the Fultz draft pick, it's tough. 
but he went through a lot physically, mentally, and you're seeing Markel Fultz kind of come into his own in the bubble here with the Magic. Um, I'm not going to get ahead of myself here, but he's made some really nice plays. He's put together some nice stat lines. Um, I'm just scapegoating here for a second, but that is another... Or I'm making excuses. That That's another bad decision. Another, that is another bad decision by the Sixers front office. So, so I, I just, you seem like I, you're... I think, that, I think that the process continues also in the sense that as long as this front office is in place, they're going to continue to shuffle their feet and make the same mistake. So you seem like you're pretty high on Brett Brown, though. You think you think he's a pretty solid head coach for a young team? I think he's better, a young think he's better team. than... Yeah, I mean, I don't know about, I don't know if he's on the bull short list. But that's that's where I was going I with think, that. Good, that's good, good inference that, by you. I think that you could look at the numbers and say his win percentage was sub forty percent with the 76ers, but you have to look at the tanking. I mean, the last three seasons they won sixty four percent of their games or something like that. Uh, went to the playoffs, were unable to you know get going. I, I think that the Bulls. You know, they don't have the star power of the 76ers, but I think they do have a bit of that um, we're pros, you can't tell us nothing type attitude. Now, the two guys that were leading them, this group in the past four years between Fred Hoiberg and um, and Witch McCall to some, uh, I think that... Just leave it at that. He's, no, the, he's that, the thumb. I think that there are some problem children on the Bulls as well, and I don't know if Brett Brown could deal with them, I guess is the direction I'm going, that there's a little bit of 76er to this Bulls rosters as well. That's a fair point. Um, Where do you want to go next here about the NBA? That was a a much – that was a very – perfect detailed answer and I was I was hoping to get some passion from you out of the Sixers because those that was those were your guys at the beginning of the year for sure um, for sure and um, shout out to COVID one time for uh, saving me a hefty amount of money on the 76ers over uh, you know we don't like anything that's gone on with this pandemic and what it's done to our country and the lives that have been lost but um, it did void a bet if nothing else that was the, that was the silver lining that was the silver lining there from, from a personal standpoint. Matt, we could dig into these games, uh, you know, series by series, and I could give you a bunch, but I want to just pose a general question to you. And sure. Well, I, I posed one to you. You posed one back to me. In That's your fine. answer. So it's been amazing, and I don't want to be hyperbolic. I don't want to overstate anything here, but night after night, history is being made and players are doing things that haven't been done before. Guys are putting on crazy displays of talent, and right now is – I mean, aside from not being able to go to the games, it's the best time to be an NBA fan. Mm -hmm. This is truly special, what we're seeing, even in the absence of the stars on the Golden State Warriors, even in the absence of the stars on the Brooklyn Nets next season. The stars on display right now are amazing. Luka Doncic doing crazy things, bookended by amazing LeBron James performances, and then out east you got a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo doing crazy stuff. Who is the best player in the NBA in your eyes right now? Um, I mean, it's got to still be LeBron, I think. I think all of them, all three of the names you mentioned are playing really, really well. Kawhi is another one who's playing pretty well and doing it yeah. with his, his running mate, Paul George, just being non-existent. Um, I, I think I just it's, it's LeBron's until somebody takes it from LeBron, and I, this is coming from not a LeBron guy, um, but – after the the flop in game one against the Blazers, he's kind. Of, I, I know Anthony Davis has been a bit, big part of that too, but LeBron's put up three monster games. He's been running the show for them and kind of okay. been four games I, since then. I, not I that not that, that all the other not that Giannis isn't doing something very similar with with the Bucks and obviously their huge clunker in game one that Luca isn't kind of putting a team on his back against a team that's better than his. But 
I, it's I LeBron until someone takes it away. I don't disagree with you at all, but but that verbiage right there until someone takes it from him. Sure. What what constitutes taking it from him? Is that beating him in a series? Is that beating him in the finals? Is that winning a finals and him just not even being there? Yeah, I think it's. What does somebody have to do to take it from him? Because in my eyes, I, I love what the what Giannis can do. He's a once in a generation talent. He's a once in a lifetime talent. I, to me, right now, if you if we were playing a game of pickup, I might take Luka Doncic one overall, and I know that's a little bit of recency bias, but I think for me right now, I'd have to stand there and I'd say uh, LeBron and then Luka. And I, I, I wouldn't I tell you you're wrong. I don't know if that means I don't know if that's he's the best player in the NBA, but I think he gives you the best chance to win. I think those are two different things. And well, I think that I, I think LeBron and Luka give you the best chance to win. Kawhi, number three. Giannis, number four for me. Yeah, I'm just – don't get me wrong. Giannis is a great player, but he's kind of – I don't want to say one-dimensional because he can do so many things. But until he develops that outside shot, which I think we've seen, you know, you and it's kind coming. of I – mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's from where it was two years ago. It's He's, he's, come, he's come a long way. He's still got a little bit of a ways to go. And like I said, he's getting better at it. But until – he does develop that, and you, you kind of know what he's going to try to do, trying to attack you every time. It's a little bit easier to game plan for, as opposed to a guy like where you said LeBron can do literally anything. Luka can do literally anything on the floor. Same with, same thing with Kawhi. Um, in order to take it from LeBron, I, I think you either have to – someone's going to have to go farther than him in the playoffs or beat him. Um, but for me, it's, it's still just it, – it's his league – Kind of not that he is as good as Michael Jordan because he's not, but as long as he's in it, as long as he's putting you know, putting in efforts and, and playing this well, it's it's his league until someone beats him. Okay, so different angle at this. Starting a franchise right now, obviously you don't go LeBron year seventeen. He's no. got what five years left tops, mm-hmm. four years, three years of prime. I mean, I, I won't put I mean, a cap it's, on it's Luca right now. He hasn't regressed. Um, it's Luca. Yeah, you? I'm, so you're, you're, right. I'm taking Luca down. I mean, I mean, that, Kawhi's still got a bunch of good hoop. He does. He really is young, but but I agree with you, Luca. It's right Luca. Luca's 19. So he, as much as he's those 21. Oh, he's, he's 21. 21. Why do I think he was 19? Yeah, he, was he, he drafted at 19? He okay. came in the league. At Sorry, 19. whatever. He's 21. <laughs> uh, Kawhi is what 29. So yeah, he's still got some good years, but I'd rather the take the that, eight extra years. The thing that Luka does and that LeBron does that I don't believe that Giannis does and Kawhi kind of does to a degree is they immediately, when stepping on the court, make everyone around them better. And whether that means hitting guys in the chest with passes, whether that means understanding the flow of the game and where the right option is, LeBron and Luka are at the top of the league in that sense. I mean, I I agree. I think you look at... The, the box scores for some of these games, and I think that speaks to it. Like, look who Kawhi's playing with, and I, I, I know he's got Paul George in that lineup, but but playoff P doesn't tend to show up all that often in the playoffs. And You look at the game four, he scored nine points in 45 minutes, three of 14 shooting. But everybody else in that lineup, I think Kawhi's making better. Um, Luka Doncic, you look at Trey Burke had 25 points. Tim Hardaway Jr. had 21. They were doing it without Chris Stapp, so he's clearly making those people on the floor better. Um, and like you said, he it's uh, it's just it's it's something it's hard to explain but when you watch you can see a lot of people just those guys getting the most out of people where with Giannis it's it's a lot more of just the Giannis show yeah he's got to get it done and uh, I mean which by the way he is capable he's that good he is capable of pretty much winning a series on his own 
which shows anytime, you how good he can be. For sure, for sure. And all due respect to him, but anytime your point guard, your 21-year-old point guard is ripping 17 rebounds while mm-hmm. scoring 42 points and I think it was eight assists or whatever, something crazy, um, and hitting a game winner, I just think that we're seeing something – uh, again, and not to overuse it, not to discredit the word, but I think we're seeing another generational talent emerge in Luka, Luka Doncic. It's, it's I agree. special. It's special. Um, what else we got here, Matt? I, I'm I'm at a loss. Uh, we, we talked. Yeah, I want to I want to shout out us let's, a little let's, bit. Let's 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 before we before okay. we shout out us. Let's stick taps and hat tips um, to the National Football League. Uh, what started the week as a huge scare and. 77 times. That was a close call, man. They all turned out to be false positives, contamination at the lab, yada, yada, yada. Zero (laughs) positive tests in the NFL. Over 8,000. We need a new lab. Over 8,000 tests have been administered, and they're not bubbling these guys. To me, those numbers are outlandish, like statistically uh, an anomaly that Mm -hmm. they're able to not go into a bubble and have zero tests amongst 8,000 administered tests. It makes me really optimistic about this season. I I agree. And I I think part of that helps because it is training camp and anyone who's been through training camp knows you're pretty much waking up first thing in the morning. You're in the building the rest of all day. And then you're pretty much back. That's what the whole regular season has got to be. It's, 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 it's going to be like playing in the travel. You're still going to have your kind of days off here and there. But yeah, I, I think this is an, from what we've seen so far, it's an encouraging sign. I know some of the, the Bears beat writers have been saying they, they're uh, allowed at Hallis for for practice. I know they can't tweet about it. they can't live tweet or send video or anything whatever. But they were saying that they're amazed with the the protocols the Bears have been taking the the money they've sunk into the facility to make sure it's pretty much as much of a bubble and you know safe and all all health. Pretty much taking every precaution you possibly and you can. Know, and some of the and you know better than anyone. When the beat writers for the Bears, yeah, when, when they're being complimentary, then they, they you know it's, it's got to be. It's like, oh, okay, fine. We have to tell them they did something right. Okay, yeah. it, it, they, I would imagine the rest of the league looks looks very similar if that's what the Bears are looking like. Uh, but but hats off to seemingly everyone uh, in yep. in these running these organizations, making these decisions, whether that's Ryan Pace or Ted Phillips or whoever. Um, they seem to be taking it incredibly seriously. The players, the the front office, the coaches, all that. So, so hats off to them. Uh, let's hope we keep not getting any positive tests. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what we saw, the history that we saw on the PGA Tour last week as well. Dustin Johnson, an 11-shot victory at the Northern Trust, gets to 30 deep on the last hole of the tournament, the second lowest uh, score in relation to wild. in PGA Tour history. He was on cruise control. Think about this. He was 30 under, and they 30 under through 72 holes. Like, that's ridiculous production out of Dustin. He, when he has it going, no one in the world can beat him. And I, I know that's kind of flagrant to say because how good is Rory's best? No, how Dustin's is, is the best. How he's got it going. His is the best. Maybe Justin Thomas, but Bryce, uh, excuse me, but Dustin has a way of, you know, you could tell that Justin Thomas is kicking it into gear. He has different gears. He has a, let's go out and shoot this on Thursday. Let's make a move Friday. Saturday, mm-hmm. we get hot. We really take some chances. And then Sunday, we try and hold the lead. Dustin just goes out there pounds the crap out of the ball, hits greens, and tries to make putts. It's like there's no scoreboard to him. There's no um, you know, there's no outside stimuli to the game of Dustin Johnson. It's just buttercut, 
iron to 20 feet, try and make the putt. But that was the difference this week is that, that he made the putts. That, he was making the putts and that proximity to the hole. I think on Sunday he was, they said some crazy stat. He was like five under uh, through like 11 or 12 and he hadn't made a putt longer than 12 feet. He was giving himself amazing looks. So, I mean, I was just absolutely blown away by what Dustin did and there was no one else to look at this week but Dustin Johnson. But moving forward, you know, Tiger Woods puts together a nice Sunday round. Yeah, he played well. Of 66. It was his best round this year on tour. Perhaps he can carry that over this week to uh, the Chicago suburbs at Olympia Fields for the BMW. Uh, Matt, give me a little reaction to last week and then give me a pick for the week ahead on the PGA Tour. I was just going to say Kevin Kisner. I I saw a fantastic quote. the, The quote from him. When DJ is on, I just step aside and try to add to my bank account. And that's, and that's awesome. <laughs> that's what and that, you got to do. Like, this week like, when you're those guys and you see what he's doing, it's like, all right, cool. I'm going to go try and make a million for in second place as opposed to 656K for third. Like that, it's, I don't, It probably takes a lot of pressure off, but still, like that, that was just an all-time quote. That's uh, very much, I'm sure, how the tour felt when Tiger was doing it um, at, at a fervent rate. Now um, – I believe, and I don't want to bungle these numbers here, but just to just to give, we are Tiger Pod, and just to give this some context. We are Tiger Pod, thank you. Dustin Johnson just won his twenty second PGA Tour uh, event, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot because we look at Tiger Woods with eighty two, but that's so from reality. Um, Dustin Johnson is now 27th on the all-time wins list with no signs of sh- of slowing down. He's tied with Raymond Floyd. He's two off of Gary Player. Like, he's already a Hall of Famer and in rarefied air. Yes, it'd be great for him to add a FedEx Cup title here. It'd be great for him to add some majors down the road, and I'm sure that he will. Um, but to just put it into perspective, uh, Dustin Johnson, 22 wins uh, through his first... 700 and something starts uh tiger woods had 22 wins through 231 starts i believe it was so just another crazy example of how great tiger was just straight out of the gate mm-hmm. um i'm making a pick now for the am i, am I, am I making a pick for olympia fields now is that is that yeah give me at? give me a little olympia fields love you know big ballpark out there in uh south suburbs uh, a lot of money on the line, a lot of FedEx Cup points on the line, and uh, it's a place that hasn't been out on tour. Obviously, they had some you know amateur events there mm-hmm. in the not too distant future. I know Bryson DeChambeau won the 2015 AM there, if I'm not mistaken. But PGA Tour wise, hasn't been featured since the 03 US. Open. I was gonna say, I remember the 03 US Open there. I don't Jim remember. Yeah, I, I think my brother Tim was at one of the days of that. But yeah, I, I don't remember them being back there since then. Um, I don't know a ton about the course. I'm going to go off um, how people have been playing lately all year. I, I like the guy we just brought up, Kevin Kisner. I think he's been playing really good golf lately. I think he's due for kind of a breakthrough. He's had a lot of top fives this year. I think his last two starts, he's been both been top fives. I think fourth in the Northern Trust, third in uh, the weekend before. PGA had a solid showing. He seems to be he seems to be always hanging around bigger tournaments. Uh, I'm going to go with Kevin Kisner. I like that pick. Um, I just think it's the time of year when it's big name, big bomber, hard to beat these guys like Dustin. Now, I don't think Dustin goes back to back. You think Dustin goes back to back 30 unders? No, I I don't think he goes back to back 30 unders. What odds would you give me on that? Much tougher course uh, out there. Uh, But for me, 
it's down to two names right now, and that's Bryson DeChambeau and Justin Thomas. And I know that's a little chalky, but um, Bryson some, sometimes has, golf can be chalk, Joe. That's okay. Bryson has the good vibes out there. He did win the amateur. Um, he, he, I think, has the most mental precedent of this place than anyone uh, right now. And in terms of JT, we know what he's capable of. We know he's capable of doing what Dustin just did last week. And I think you get JT with a chip on his shoulder in Chicago. He's got a lot of love for Chicago. Um, I, I know his his girl is from there. He loves going to Hawks games, Cubs games, loves the city. So I think he's going to have a very homey feel in Chicago. But the statistic that was very interesting to me is that Justin Thomas could not make a putt last week. He lost four strokes to the field gained putting last week. He's done that, I believe, five other times in his career, and those five times he's won twice, finished third, and finished uh, finished third twice, and finished second. So when Dust when when just when Justin Thomas has a bad week putting, he grinds, he figures it out, and he gets back. He is a great putter, one of the best on tour. So the anomaly is the bad week putting. It's unlikely that there's going to be back to back poor weeks putting. I think that Justin Thomas makes a push at this thing, and it might be a nice top five finisher play for those looking to wager on it. If he uh, if, if he goes out to goes out to dinner with his good friend Taylor D this this week when he's in town, I it's think I'm gonna try. Okay. I, I think I'm going to try and sneak in on that dinner. Just show up at the restaurant. Like, hey, well, we you're might, here too. Wow. We might have to we might have to fade him because we know TD can be a bad influence sometimes. Yeah, you know, maybe keep him away from Taylor until that, after that, the that could throw a wrench into my into my thought process. That's, see, that's what I'm here for. Just trying to make sure you save your money a little bit. <laughs> Matt, uh, that's all I got for the people today. You got anything else? Um, I got a Peloton. Peloton. Got a Peloton? Yeah, wait. I got a Peloton. Peloton. Wait. Yeah. You, wait. Yeah, I bought a Peloton. You're a Peloton guy. Yeah, so I wasn't like I, – I, I'm not in any rush to go back to a gym anytime soon. Totally because, feel that. You know, even, with, even if you do go back, you're working out in a mask. And, and not that I, I'm all for wearing the mask. I'm not for working out in a mask, running in a mask. And I'm not going to lie to you, Joe. If, if this might come as a surprise to you, I was getting a little bit, a little lazy around the apartment. wasn't okay. doing a whole lot. Um, wasn't staying incredibly active other than playing golf. Uh, I, I figured this was if I'm getting rid of the gym membership, this is not too different of a of a monthly fee. Um, so yeah, I I, I took the I plunge. Love- had some influence from from some friends that have one already. Uh, I love I used, to hear that. Used it yesterday oh. when it got here. I, I like it. I like it so far. I need a I need a I need more padding for the seat, Joe. Yeah, that's a big thing. Yeah. I need, you I can need get, like a seat you can get pad some custom or, seats yeah. to throw on there. Um, I've hurts been my, lucky enough to have pelotons at my last two apartment complexes, and uh, same thing. Not really trying to go back into the gym right now. Um, sticking sticking to the home workouts. Uh, a word to the wise here, and a voice of caution. Yeah, um, you're gonna feel like you're doing more than you're doing from a cardiovascular standpoint, and that's good. You're getting a great workout. You're getting a great sweat in. But you still got to mix it up. You still got to get on the floor, do some push-ups. Mm-hmm. You still got to get the bands, do some curls. You still got to move around, do some burpees, whatever you can, because Not your, a body, your body is going to plateau on that machine. You're going to see awesome results for the first couple months, and then your body's going to plateau on that machine. See, I think, like all I've ever wanted, think I've ever wanted to do is plateau, though. I don't need to peak. I think I peaked already. Yeah, but 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 if you're wanting to, if you're feeling like you're going to get to a point where you're feeling like you're busting your ass and not seeing the results okay, that you that's want fair. out of that machine, so don't feel discouraged by that. Just know that that's the time to mix up your workouts. A little yeah, bit. I think right now for the for the next couple weeks, month is when I, I need to I put on not a ton of weight during quarantine, Joe. But I think like most of us put on probably a 
five to ten unwanted pounds. Ro- Robin, one, one, Robin from Peloton is going to melt that right off. Exactly. Tonight. I need to get rid of that. I, I took. I had a ride with Kendall yesterday, and, and she, she kicked my ass. So, <laughs> well, um, I, I smell. I smell a weekly segment in the works here. Matt's Peloton. Matt's Peloton there. update. Matt's but no, you only get minutes. You only get minutes. You get hockey. Minutes, <laughs> I get a hockey minute. I get a Peloton, Peloton minute. minute. Yeah, Eventually, so we're going to have like thirty of these, and it's just going to be me having individual minutes to update everybody on like certain things. I need. I need just enthralling peloton updates week to week and maybe we could look at our first sponsorship here that's Ooh, all i'm saying yeah that's, that's all it I'm saying. that's fair it's, we got we got to start tagging it's a big them get just, it's a big money get yep uh, that would yeah. be a good one maybe get a free uh, membership out of it i i love to hear it i love to hear you getting back on it uh getting active again matt um we well, appreciate I, you, know, you guys getting active i'm not like inactive it's not like I was. That's, no, that's completely the picture that you just painted. That you're yeah, in. I know. <laughs> Golf. <laughs> the way you walking from it. your cart to your ball. The way you is not activity. It. Hey, that. you know, for a couple months ago when we didn't have carts, I had to walk. That was tough. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that three rounds of golf you walked. Just, just the way the, the way you phrased it. Yeah, let's see it getting active again. It's like you, like I just recovered from like a torn ACL no, or something, and I'm finally starting to walk. You just told me you were inactive. I wasn't active. Okay, it's not that surprising to anybody. Nothing that to knows be, me. nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to, uh, nothing to let hinder the work you're going to do moving forward. So get after it on that Peloton. Get after it, uh, you know, week by week, and uh, looking forward to to seeing you on the other side of this thing. And. Um, Joe's I'm coming home to, this weekend. Welcome, almost well. Happy vacation. Happy you know, almost. You know, put my, you know, put my business. You know, put oh, my co- business out there on the podcast. Okay, who the hell? You know, you're you know, coming. I'm not. I'm not telling people anything other than you're coming home. You don't have to, you don't have to do that. You know, I'm just trying to lay low. You know, I'm trying to. Trying well, to guys, to Joe's trying to lay low. So everyone that knows him, send him a text. See what he's up to this weekend. Bother. Trying to come back to the city, see some faces. Yeah. Hug, hug, hug a couple babies. You know. Oh, babies? Uh, How many babies? See the see the niece. Um, just the, my my sister's um, my sister's daughter. Oh yeah, um, we uh, we you know it's it's a fantastic scenario to be able to just go over there, see everyone at once, um, get in, get out. It, it's it's perfect. You know, by by day six, you're getting sick of everyone. So looking forward to seeing mom and dad. Looking forward to um, kissing the Connie bird. Looking forward to seeing you hopefully, and uh, hopefully have a nice little week here in Chicago land. But uh, I do have multiple ring cameras set up at my apartment here in Stanford, so don't try anything. That's all I'm saying. Okay, I won't. That's all I'm saying. That's well, fair. Just put, just put my business out there. You know, why don't you give my address too, Matt? I don't know your address. You didn't even give me give me that. <laughs> well, you haven't sent me any T-shirts to this location. So once that's you true, do, I say one to Sacramento. Yeah, you have my Sacramento. Still waiting one. on my T-shirt. Which, um, you know, that shirt doesn't get much run outside of the house. That's all I'm saying. That's okay. But as long as it's getting run on Sundays, who cares? For sure. For sure. And I'm hoping that uh, the U.S. Open Sunday will bring that thing out. Yeah, it's how you get back in contention here in Chicagoland. And then hopefully, uh, like you said, at the U.S. Open. I wouldn't be mad if Tiger, you know, fell short of that top 30, didn't make it to East Lake because I just got two weeks off before the U.S. Open rather than one. I it might think be that's super important for him being in contention. And I think that's where his head's at right now, too. Put together some nice rounds and hope that you end up on the outside looking in. I think he'd have to finish top six right now um, with, with the way things are set. Obviously, things move in the FedEx Cup standings, but I think he'd have to finish top six to make it to East Lake this week. Let's see it. Let's, right, no, let's, see, let's then let's see him finish seven. Then let's not see, see him. It. Let's yeah, see him finish seven. I cop. I cop. Ten through seven. Ten seven. Uh, Matt, fantastic stuff as always. We appreciate you and we appreciate the listeners here on the Moose and Roots podcast, episode one sixty seven. Send us the mailbag questions. Feels like a perfect pod that we could have bookended here with some mailbags. And you know what? I'm a little mad. I'm a little mad. I'm a little pissed at the listeners. 
Packers. I put it in the tweet. You saw the tweet. Yeah, I put it in the tweet. I saw the tweet. You saw the tweet. doing his job. I'm, you know, just kind of ambling along, but it's your job as the listeners to send us those mailbag questions. It we can only produce so many fake mailbag machine. questions until we need you to send them to us. Just kidding. We appreciate you, but we want more from you. Thank you, as always, Moose and Roos listeners, for tuning in to the Moose and Roos podcast. For Matt, I am Joe. Have a fantastic week and weekend. We'll talk to you next week. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.